Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Los Angeles, California, Joey. No chill, pray now. Hello, Andy. Morning. How's everything there in Cincinnati this fine Monday? It's uh, it's going uh, it's going all right. Got a yeah. little got a little overcast. I, okay. I I I. I will say today is the the one year anniversary of my father passing away. So, if sorry, buddy. Thanks, man. If I start crying discussing the Reds, it's for my dad <laughs> because they will put you in tears. Actually, this is this is what I have in the background. I had to laugh. We found this. This is a a, a Walt Bowling trophy. It's a Walt Bowling trophy. It says Kingpin Lanes 97-98 Moeller KFC, which is Knights of Columbus League Champions, Walt Ruther. There it is. 97-98. I was a freshman in college. Walt was winning bowling tournaments. I wonder the amount of beers consumed by my dad over, I don't know, 50 plus years of a bowling league or something. Like how many beers do you think he consumed? As long oh, as let's I see, you you, you got to figure, you got to figure he's probably drinking. Like, can we can we? Do you think do you think a six beer night is like a reasonable? Yeah. Average. Yeah. Sometimes more, sometimes less. Times that by, you know, however many days they bowl in a bowling league per year. Well, he growing up, he was always Wednesdays. Right. For me, I don't know if there was before that. I so think weekly, there was, but, but it did. Would he bowl like literally every Wednesday? No, the league, because for the longest time, the season. Yeah. For the longest time, there was golf on Wednesday. Right. And then bowling on Wednesday. And then he, as he got older, he, he kind of gave up on the golf thing. He, you know, he wasn't moving around as well. And, but he never gave up on the bowling. So, Again, I don't I don't know the math, but a lot a of lot. beers. I've done the math. It's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a, a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah. And most importantly, what beers was he drinking? Of course he was drinking Miller Lite. Walt, a legend. Actually, there are, and I've sent you some of these. There are so many photos of my mom holding up a Miller Lite. Like for years, no lie, way before they came on board of our show, like not just photos of her, like also a legend. Yeah. But like, like doing like a pose with it. That's why they called. That's why she was hashtag Joanne and the can. (laughs) Just another one for the hashtag Joanne and the can files. Unbelievable. Yeah. The Miller Lite was always a staple at the Ruther household. And, and it still is today. You know, we don't have a quote unquote ad for them, but 
The fridge yeah, is stocked. We just did it, but we just did one. The, the fridge is stocked full of Miller Lite. But yeah, so obviously I'm thinking about my dad today. But, you know, somebody was like, oh, it sucks. You got to do a podcast today. I said, no, it doesn't. Because like I've told you and the dirt balls before, the reason I love sports is because of my dad. So it, it's very fitting that I am doing a show today on the, uh, the day that he passed away last year. And my dad would be loving these NFL games, I think. Good. Yeah. The, I, I would, the, the, I would the, hope the, so. The, the it's, we've started out with a hot, hot season. I know, Andy, last week, if we're going to dive right into the NFL last week, I said, you know, everybody tends to like do this week one kind of overreaction oh, thing. Today, and I said, we're going to temper, on- we're going to temper our uh, emotions. We're not going to have any like crazy overreactions, but now it's week two, Andy. I want you to give me your, like, if you had to give me your week two headline, like, give me your headline. Give me your, just like, what is, I have a two word headline, but I'm going to let you go first. Well, you beat me to it. Cause actually I, you know, I wanted to discuss this. I think I put that on the rundown of after two weeks. Can I do a couple more words than two? Oh yeah, you can do it. I just have two words for three. My, okay. Expect the unexpected. Okay. Mine is two words. Mine is Darius. Ah, <laughs> you got me. I mean, come on, the dude. We are we have our we're low key. We are Raiders fans. We've always been low key Raiders fans. And I mean, is there a better story so far? I mean, the, especially and and you kind of got to say it retroactively, even to last night's Sunday night game. I mean, the Ravens beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs, the, the Raiders beat the Ravens the week before, but also the Raiders beat the, a Steelers team, which again, I don't think it's going to be that good this year. But still, being a Raiders team coming off a short week, overtime game, ton of emotions, first home game in front of fans at the new stadium, going east to Pittsburgh, playing a good defense. That's a huge, I mean, the Raiders. I've got to be up there in terms of like week two story of the NFL so far. I agree. Now there are only two undefeated teams right now in the AFC, which is crazy. And they're in the same division. It's the Broncos and Raiders. I like the Raiders, but I also know the Raiders gonna Raider. Right. You know, they started two and last year. Yeah. So this is the first time that they've started 2-0, I think, since the 80s. And those were like stacked teams. I think one of those was a Super Bowl winning team. So I am proceeding with caution, as they say. Well, I also want to talk about one other thing about the Raiders. Because there, there is this like, it never really took shape in like open quotes from either of the neighbors. But the theory, this like, this like rumor has been for years for like the last couple of years with Gruden that Gruden and Carr are boys, you know, they're neighbors, they get along, they like each other, but Gruden's. And again, this is just hearsay, but apparently Gruden's issue, if he had one with his quarterback was that Carr is too safe. He loves the short pass. He doesn't chuck it as much as Gruden likes Gruden is a, is a fucking pirate. You know, Gruden is a wild man. Gruden 
is a grinder. He likes he he wants you to chuck it every once off. Through two games, Derek Carr has numerous just like I'm gonna fucking chuck it. Yeah, he's and, been- and they've worked. Like it's almost like if this was a Gruden issue, turns out Gruden was right, and also the idea that he's gotten him to do this. I mean. Again, all hearsay, but if Gruden Singh was like, I think we're, I think our problem is Carr doesn't chuck it enough. And now Carr's chucking it and they're having huge long touchdowns to win football games. You can't, you love to see it working together. Maybe he's like, hey, chuck it across our neighbor in the yards, our, our neighbor in the middle of the yard. You know, you're two houses down. Forget Phil. Phil's not there. Phil is the soft zone coverage. Chuck it over Phil's yard, over Phil's pool, into my yard, dog. I like it. Well, obviously, that's a tough division. The Western division from each conference are probably going to be the best. But that's a huge start. You can't underestimate that those are really good wins because they're against good teams or not easy wins. Like you said, the Steelers are going to be probably about 500, but the Ravens are good. They're going to be in the thick of it. Those are two huge wins. Like, I don't put much stock in Denver's 2-0 start, for example. Right. Beat two pretty bad football teams so far. Um, I believe, did Denver win on the road again this week? Was that in Jacksonville or was that in Denver? I think it was in Denver. I'm not sure. I didn't watch any of it. But either way, they go on the road to New York week one. They get a win. Like, I mean, where I put stock in it is like, you know, the old Bill Parcells, Andy Ruther quote. It's like, you are your record. Sure. And the thing is, is the teams that everybody thought were going to win that or compete to win the AFC West are one and one. And the two other teams are two and oh, it's like, you got to start somewhere if you want to be in the mix. Yeah. You're probably not catching a chief's team. If you find yourself a game or two back after a couple of weeks. For sure. That game was insane last night. Insane. Absolutely. These primetime games, now three of the four have been bonkers. Three of the four games so far have been amazing games. Entertaining from start to finish. So many twists and turns. So many, oh shit, did that just happen sort of moments. Yeah. Two of them featuring the Ravens so far. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, was, I was writing some things down watching that game. One thing I'll say about the Ravens, first of all, when he throws that second pick, they're driving. Kansas City can't stop the run. They get down to, I don't know, the 2025. I don't understand. They start throwing the ball. I, I like my thing when I'm watching that game saying, if their running is working, why are you going to start throwing the ball at all? Just keep pounding the ball. I mean, I think to play devil's advocate, it's the same reason that the chiefs who can't run the ball, run the ball from them. It's like, if you become so one dimensional, then you're, you know, potentially it's like, well, we can't stop them running, but if we know they're going to run every time, then we can start to stop them. But so you've got, you know, you got to keep the defense honest a little bit, but I agree with you in the same way that, you know, the chiefs have a big run the ball and fumble. And the Ravens have a big throw the ball, throw a couple picks. Um, it's like, if you're so 
dominant in, and both those teams truly are. The chiefs are so dominant throwing the ball and they're not really great at running the ball still, even with drafting running backs to, you know, fix their running game, even getting the offensive linemen to fix their running game, blah, 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 blah. The Ravens, same thing. Uh, you know, they keep adding wide receivers. Like, yeah, they have, uh, you know, a, a, certainly a better pass game than the Chiefs have a run game, but they're so dominant running the ball. Do it safely. Do it safe. Like, that's the thing is like, if you're, if you're going to do it just to keep people honest, if you're the Chiefs, you got to hold on to the football. If yeah. you're the Ravens, you can't throw the ball into coverage. Just if you're going to do it to keep them honest, then it, do it for show. Yeah, I mean, that call, I love that going for fourth. I just love it at the end of the game. You, you trust your quarterback. And, you, and, and the thought of giving, if Patrick Mahomes gets the ball with a minute left, 100%, they're at least attempting a field goal. Right. I, I mean, love the play call. I absolutely love it. I know, and, and I, I do too. And, you know, obviously you on the Dirty Sports account, you know, you put up the balls in the wheelbarrow thing and it's like, where we do, we do, you do comedy on the dirty sports thing, but I, I felt like there were, it was almost an overreaction from people like, Oh, fucking Harbaugh. It's like, it, it was almost a no brainer call. It's like uh, maybe against any other team you're punting there and not even thinking twice about it, but against Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs, I feel like you're You have to go for it. And you're not even thinking twice about it. Like, the idea of kicking them the ball with a minute left and then get down the field in one play. Yeah. The chiefs are always the chiefs to me, the last few years, there's times during those games where you say, how can anyone stop them? Cause they have such athletic speedy receivers, right? Like they go so deep. And then there's times where you're like, how did you not drive there? Yeah. Uh, it's it's one of those they're one of those teams where obviously in the Super Bowl the the Bucks did a great job of stopping them with the pass rush. Obviously, you know the Chiefs had an injured offensive line. The Chiefs get to Mahomes. Mahomes has an injured toe. Like all the things coming together where they're able to pressure him and he's not able to move as well and whatever. So that was you know like all respect to the Bucks stopping them in the Super Bowl. But I think more often than not. If the Chiefs lose a game or if the Chiefs have a bad offensive day, they're stopping themselves. Not that they had a bad offensive day yesterday by any means, but that game is over essentially if Mahomes doesn't, you know, make a terrible falling down throw, right? Like, dude, you can punt. You can like they really kind of gave gave them gave the Ravens life with that. And it's just. Mahomes is great because he makes those plays, but you also have to be like, dude, you can't make those plays in the fourth quarter with essentially giving them a chance to win the game. That that was one of those plays. Like if Carson Wentz makes that throw, it's like, what a, what an idiot. If w Jameis Winston makes that throw, it's like, what a fucking, this guy's unbelievable, this fucking turnover. So if Danny Dimes makes that, it's like, oh, this guy fucking, the, the turnover machine. And we give Patrick Mahomes, like, the benefit of the doubt because he's made so many wild plays. But that last, inter that, that interception he threw was horrible. It was and bad. stupid. Yeah. And, and cost them the game. Sure. That, it's, that almost, was it's almost like sometimes he feels like he's too invincible. It's like, dude, just get out of here with a win. Yeah, 
that was like, like that's something Russell Wilson would do. Like I feel like in that wheelhouse, if you're just trying to force it and then you throw a pick, just a bad pick because you've escaped pressure. That was a bad pick. Like Russell in the at the end of that in in overtime. I mean, he he got saved by the whistle. That that was one of the more reckless. Yeah. Uh, escapes into the end zone, intentional ground. Like it, that was a game-ending safety. Except you know they blew him dead early. God knows why. That, well, that's. That's that's a problem I have right now, you know, the officiating and then I feel like we do this every year. But if we can talk about I mean, the taunting thing, I just this has got to be the challenging the, the pass interference like, like they got to go back on this one. It's just every I don't see anyone sticking up for it. Also, I, I don't understand. I'm trying to think from their perspective. What what is their stand like? What is the taunting? How does this clean up or help or enhance the game? I'm not sure. And also, there's a an utter lack of consistency. There's an utter lack of and and you know my problem with the NFL is always like the rules are the rules. You know, you either broke a rule or you didn't break a rule, and that's where things get. When, when you make subjective rules, then then we can decide when we want to. Like, here's a question for you. How is Lamar Jackson flipping into the end zone, not taunting? Yeah, I was just going to say. I was just going to say. By the way, he, of course it shouldn't be a penalty. Yeah, yeah. For the record, none of these should be pen, penalties. But the guy on the Texans gets a penalty for spinning a ball. And then Lamar Jackson does an entire flip in the end zone i mean and this and this is a problem with the nfl right now is it's it's truly it's probably our biggest officiating issue is this idea of protecting these refs protecting these old refs first of all can we just get younger refs remember in the nba when it was like all old guys and then hayward workman former pacer came in and it's like now we're making a move to like like let's have younger people calling these games and also this idea of like protecting these guys calls. I don't know if you know, if, have you seen the pro football talk uh, Giants Redskins scandal? Have you seen this thing? So, and I said this when I was watching the game and it doesn't matter. They're never going to overturn it. It's not a fucking, I like, I'm not like I'm on to the Falcons. You know what I mean? But pro football talk is, has been, pushing since Thursday Dexter Lawrence moved but he did he wasn't offsides that he didn't actually enter the neutral zone until after the ball snap he raised up but he didn't and what's funny is for the record you're discussing the final kick on the kick yeah then on, on the missed kick then they give him obviously they call him offsides they give him a new kick he kicks it to win pro football talk has been saying he wasn't offsides and they kind of like were tweeting at the NFL and whatever the NFL puts out a statement saying we reviewed the tape and the call is right. But for some reason, and pro football talk, keep brought this up numerous occasions. And this is just kind of whether they're, whether it's a good conspiracy theory or a bad conspiracy theory, it's easily solved. Pro football talk keeps saying why you have video of the line of scrimmage and you refuse to put it out and you refuse to let anybody see it 
You didn't show it on the, on, in the game. You didn't show it in the aftermath. You are hiding the line of scrimmage thing. Almost as, as if to accuse them of fully protecting the referees. You even put out a statement saying we reviewed the video and the call is right, but you're not. But, so why don't you just put out the video? Yeah. And, and, and again, I'm as a Giants fan, I'm not like, we deserve to win this game, whatever. That was but a rules, hell of a game too. But rules are rules, right? And so either he is or he isn't offsides. And so, but, but let me ask why you this. are you protecting the refs? But no, I, I agree with that, but I almost feel like the taunting is something different. I, I don't think the taunting is protecting the refs. What I don't understand is how, how did the players, I don't know how the rules, I don't know how the NFL players association, I don't know how their union is involved in these new rules or if they are, but I don't understand how they would allow this to happen because these taunting rules are not protecting the integrity of the game. And I'm just going to call it what it is. I, I mean, people might not might get annoyed, but what I'm picturing, I'm just going to call it what it is, is a bunch of old white dudes sitting in a boardroom saying they're sick of these athletes. And let's just call it what it is. 85% black dudes or whatever the number is showboating or whatever they think. Uh, is. I mean, there you're not the first person. There's been numerous people that say this is the NFL's equivalent of the NBA dress code. To, to me, that's what it is. Again, I'm just, I'm guessing who else would it be? Who is setting up this rule that they don't want to see these guys show some personality, show well, like, some individuality. So I mean, the, like the idea of who's setting up this rule. There's only two sides to everything, and uh, there's the players' association and there's the owners. The owners are all old, which old, rich white guys. We know that. Sure, the players are predominantly black. The uh, majority of them are black. Obviously, there's other folks, but like, yeah, absolutely. Now, this is something that has happened throughout. You know, uh, all sports unions owners battles but very specifically in the nfl because the nfl doesn't give a fuck about its players and isn't even trying to cater to its players but essentially what they do is they throw shit in like this and then they get it in exchange for some other shit that they you know didn't want to give up to players but they're but they knew they would have to it's like oh the players really want to fight about this issue we don't want to do it but if we don't do it we they could strike or whatever so we're going to give it to them but when we give it to them, we're going to throw in this other shit that they have to do for us, which is like, again, I, I, you're you said it before. I'll say it again. But like black players can't show emotion, <laughs> essentially, is where we're at. We had a black player blacklisted for having an opinion. Now we're doing black players will be penalized for showing emotion. Yeah. And, and, and I just don't understand, like. Because, because, like, obviously, I was posting a lot of them on our Twitter and Instagram. These, these are not egregious displays of taunting or the, the, showboating, it's not slashing, or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. thank you. Yeah, it's not, it's not that. It's, it's excitement. It's passion. Don't, don't you want a game with like? But, but here's my thing, Joe. These legitimately affect some of these penalties in some of these games are huge these 15 a 15 yard penalty at the wrong time is the difference between a win and a loss which then also affects 
gambling. Like, well, think about it this way. Imagine if, you know, and again, I'll, I'll go back to the thing about why I brought up the refs protecting the refs and everything. But like, think about, think about the end of that. You know, it all worked out. The chiefs didn't score. The Ravens got, got the ball back. The chiefs don't, you know, they keep the chiefs. Out, but like, that was a huge two point conversion at the end that the Ravens had to go for and they didn't get it. And they also had a penalty on that play when they tried to run it the first time and were moved back and did it again. But by rule, they should have already had a penalty on Lamar Jackson taunting. Yeah. And this, this is my problem. Again, it's rules are rules. This is why I brought up the, the Washington giants game. It's like, Either a guy breaks the rule or he doesn't break the rule. And the easy thing is we have replay now and we've talked about having the replay baby and we've talked about all the ways that we can fix the replay process. But we protect the NFL is already protecting referees when they fuck up black and white rules like a guy is offsides or a guy isn't offsides. There is no argument. A guy is either offsides or he is not offsides. So if you are now going out of the way to hide whether or not you fucked it up, think about how crazy it is to say we are going to work as a league to conspire to protect referees when they fuck up black and white rules and then adding on to it, having gray rules. The idea of giving these guys who can't even figure out how to have black and white rules called without conspiracies, giving them gray rules. Like what is in taunting? What is a past interference review? What is a, it's like this stuff should never be in their hands. They can't even handle black and white rules. So to give them subjective calls is horrific. Cause look at the end of the Ravens chiefs game. If you call taunting all day, how do you not call taunting on a guy somersaulting in the end zone when no one's around it? I'll speak for the NFL. This is what they would say. They would argue he did his somersault flip, whatever you want to call it. That was a solo celebration. And he wasn't doing it in another player's face. That's what the NFL will say. This, this is why the rule is stupid. It's like, it's okay. So now... People can taunt players as long as they don't taunt them to their face. Like we can do, can we do the throat slash to the crowd? That's what I'm saying. I agree. I agree with you. It, it, it There's too many blurred lines here and it, it's obviously a problem. And this is week two of an 18 week regular season. And the whole world hates this. The announcers, the fans, the players, the coaches, everyone hates this. All the games I watched yesterday, almost every single one of them had a questionable slash just off call that was taunting that affected a drive, which then again affects the outcomes of the games. The the thing about the NFL is these calls, I would argue more than any other sport, these calls are so important and the butterfly effect they have on an entire season is so monumental because it's. So few plays, you know, so few scoring plays or big plays in a game as compared to basketball. Sure. It's like a bucket here, a bucket there. Baseball, there's 162 games in a season. We're talking about 17 games. 
I mean, on average, what, what would you say on average, uh, an NFL team scores two and a half touchdowns a game, you know? So you're talking about 45, 50 touchdowns, like on average, 50 touchdowns a year per team. You're talking yeah. about, you're talking about one or two or three touchdowns in any direction being changed by some shitty call. So it's 10% of your season. Yeah. That's why to me, this, if I'm the NFL, like this is a panic button alert sort of thing, because the, the blowback has been so strong just through two weeks and you hear it on every game. Well, they're making a huge effort this year to really pull back on the taunting and the trash talking. But, but let me ask you this, seriously, what is the difference? I, I keep going back to that Cleveland Houston Texans game where the guy spins the ball. What is it? What is the difference between him spinning the ball after the first down or him standing up and going like this? Right. The forward move. No, there's, there's clearly no difference. Now, I listen, would, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm of the opinion always that like, I don't love the uh, over celebrating every little fucking thing. You know what I mean? I don't like it, but that doesn't mean there needs to be a rule for it. You sure. know what I mean? Like, I'm like, Hey, why don't, you know, if I'm the coach of a team, I'm like, Hey, maybe we give the first down thing when we get a first down maybe we go the fist up when we get a big third down stop but like does every yeah every every time a quarterback overthrows the ball a defensive back is going to act like they're Deion sanders yeah and i'll take it one step further now that i think about it we're penalizing guys for taunting but the nfl has set up since last year or the year before last giant cameras on the field for when the players get a turnover, yep. the whole defense, all 11 of them runs over, does a backstreet boys choreographed dance in front of the camera, but that's fine. Right. So, so think about that. That's fine. They can all run over to the camera and, you know, all get jiggy when they get with in the it. end zone. When they get in the end zone, they can all be a college crew team and, and sit down and line up. And row the boat together while the fucking, you know, while the wide receiver is like, row, row. You know, we're, we're, we're literally doing choreographed moves. But if a guy in the moment, like, claps in your face, he's taunting you? Yeah. You know what's taunting to me if I'm a defensive player? Anytime guys go, hey, man, you're the, you're the left guy. I'm the right guy. And. One and two and th like anytime there's a metronome count in to your fucking bye 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 dance, like now you're taunting me. Yeah. Like, oh, you guys have motherfucking set this up. I, I agree. If I'm a DB and a guy just catches a touchdown and they go do an in sync choreographed dance, they've been practicing for three weeks, that's going to anger me more than a guy getting in my face. Like a guy handing out sides like a guy handing out scripts right when you get into the end zone and being like don't all right you're the highlighted one you're reading this role give it to me big this time it's unbelievable i mean it really is like it makes no sense okay so you you and i discussed the two and oh teams yeah at least from the afc yeah i want to discuss the o and two teams where you are hitting the panic oh boy this ship is sinking we are screwed we might be to the point of no return already at 0-2. Okay. 
the teams who people thought could be contenders for playoff spots. Okay. So I'll specify it with that. I don't, okay, I'm not yeah, talking. We're not, we're not talking about the Jets. Yeah, yeah. We're not talking about the Jets. We're not talking about the Jags. We're not talking about teams who, oh, they're own too. We all thought that. Okay. I'll start with the Colts. I, I think the, the boat's on fire right now. And it's a problem. Carson Wentz is already hurt. Already. I shouldn't say already. Hurt again because he was hurt in the preseason. Yeah, the Colts. Um, listen, they had they have certainly a tough start. They get both NFC West teams out of the gate. Um, I think the the reason I'm going to say the reason that there's not a panic button being slammed yet, other than the fact that Carson Wentz is hurt. And here's my problem with uh, NFL teams that just like. And, and the Giants are are one of these teams. If you have a quarterback that's either injury prone or that you're going to put in a position to get injured, like how do you have Jacob Eason as your backup? Sure. You started Jacoby Brissett for a couple of years and you extended Jacoby Brissett, but then you don't keep him to back up Carson Wentz. Now, now he's down in Miami behind another uh, injury prone quarterback. So you're now you're going to go with Jacob Eason, who's who threw two passes, one that was picked off that ended the game essentially. But the only reason I would say that there is not a panic button unless Carson Wentz is out for an extended period of time is because the Titans are one and one, the Texans are one and one, and the Jags are zero and two. Now I think the Titans, surprise, surprise, the people that overreacted to the Titans week one. And the people that randomly like, you know, I got to say, I love the uh, who are these Derrick Henry is washed after one, like up oh, too much, too many miles on him, too many miles on him the last couple of years. Like it is people love to put the nail in people's coffin. And I think another guy who like Aaron Rodgers is washed. Let's see how tonight goes. I yeah, he'll be I well, he'll be fine. I, I I saw that coming, man. I was watching that game. I saw Derrick Henry. He he didn't have many rushing yards in the first half. But you people don't realize he's not even a first half guy. He's, he's a, not a first half guy. He's also a late in the season guy. Like he just saying. keeps getting better. The the more tired you get, the stronger he gets. He he is powered by your fear. I mean that run he had. That's I don't know seventy five yard run. I mean the guy is just a stud. That's a huge win for them. They're down twenty four to nine at halftime. It's yeah. a huge win. Seattle completely stalled in the second half offensively. Their defense completely imploded, but they had a chance and they yeah. couldn't get, they couldn't get it done. Um, um, but, but sorry to, I mean, my original it. point was like that the Colts, you know, yes, I think the Colts should be worried, but like, I think if you're, if you're two weeks in and you're a game back, it's like, how much closer can you be? You know what I mean? Like if they were owned two and the Titans were two and oh, the panic button would be a lot. I'd be but, hitting it a lot harder, but I'm hitting it purely for the Carson Wentz injury thing. Like, like, right. What, what is your, what is your substitute for backup? I, right. We all know that the Titans Titans might have an off week. They did last week. Yeah. But you, you know what you're going to get for the most part from Tennessee, you're going to have a consistent quarterback, a great running back, a defense. that's going to keep you in ball games. I don't know what I'm getting from that quarterback position. If he's not out there. Yeah. I don't. And, and honestly, like, He's another guy where it's like, dude, you put yourself in like you do this to yourself. Yeah. You have to play safer than that. You're injury prone. 
You don't have a fucking real backup. You're like, it's just, and I understand that people can say, well, then it takes away from who he is. If you can't play like that. Well, the best ability is availability. And Carson Wentz is now out again, again. Now, also, can we talk about one other thing that Carson Wentz factors in? I know it's, it's, it's kind of fun, uh, but there's, there's three sort of, there's three quarterbacks in the league, uh, Cousins, Wentz, Zach Wilson, that are that, that were, you know, leaders of the anti-vax campaign. Now, now 0-6. I said yesterday on Twitter, I was like, the vaccine is like a one-question wonder lick. Like if you're not if you're not smart enough for that, you might be a five pick against the Patriots. I, I didn't. Even, I did. I only knew about Kurt. I'm sorry. I only knew about Kurt Cousins. I didn't know about Wentz or Zach Wilson. Wentz also, yeah, wouldn't you know a refuse to answer guy, a super, a hyper Christian weirdo. Wilson, a refuse to answer guy whose mom, who's like hot mom, you know, everybody's following his mom on Twitter. It's funny because it's Cousins dad. And Wilson's mom, where it's like, these guys are kind of like, I mean, Cousins was pretty outspoken, obviously. But even that, like, both of them are like, they could fly under the radar, but their parents are out their dad, like Kirk Cousins' dad's like, you know, talking about the devil at a super church. And Zach Wilson's mom has like a Instagram brand that's like, you know, anti-masking and shit. But I'd be so mad. We've talked about this before with parents. Like, I'd be so mad. Well, apparently Zach Wilson tried to bribe his mom to get off Instagram and she refused. But that's so selfish. Yeah. You're you're only a thing. Like Zach Wilson's mom, who is attractive, by the way. And she's more. She's like fine. She's one of those people who's like people bone her out for like these these athlete moms. It's like well, she's attractive because you know, she's whatever, she's a mom. Like she's attractive mom. But what I'm saying is. You're only a thing because of your son. Yeah. So, so your son has these special skills to be a top five quarterback as, as far as drafted in the NFL. So the, the amount of selfish behavior, it, it, it's awful, man. I didn't know about the bribery thing. That's wild. Yeah. Absolutely wild. Well, and I'm Kirk, just glad. Kirk Cousins' dad in a mega church. It's great. Yeah, that I, 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 I love, it's my favorite thing ever. The the vaccine, your decision on the vaccine is like a one question wonder lick. <laughs> like it's a pass fail course. Well, if you had any of those guys or if you had Zach Wilson on your FanDuel fantasy yesterday, RIP because you got destroyed. He threw four picks. But if you had the Patriots defense. That's right. You were doing really well. In your FanDuel fantasy, my, my, my for your FanDuel fantasy, play play against the Wonderlick. That's the way to do it. Dirtball, start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a twenty percent bonus on your first deposit up to five hundred dollars. If you haven't signed up, you really should do this. I've been playing since since we started last week and uh, I like the single game. I also like the snake draft. I also like that. I can play private contest with my friends, which is where all the best trash talking happens. So experience season long wins without the season long weights. Sign up today at fanduelcom forward slash dirty to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's fanduelcom forward slash dirty age and location restrictions apply. 
bonus issued as a non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. Okay, what other notes did I want to talk about? Oh, of course we have to, because we're talking about the injuries, so we might as well just go to this. We have Tua, we have Wentz, we have Andy Dalton. Obviously, that's that's fine because they have Justin Fields to come in, even though he played terrible yesterday. You got a lot of injuries. I'm missing a few. Who else was injured? I mean, yeah, tons of guys. I mean, uh, Tyrod Taylor got injured. Tyrod Taylor, who was playing well in that game. I wonder if this helps the movement on Deshaun Watson. On him getting back in there, getting traded, getting traded. Like if you're like, my, if you're my, this- like, I keep going back to Miami. What do you do? Like, Tua was seriously injured in college. He's already battled injury bug, you know, here in the NFL. I, I it's fine. You know, I did it. I, I talked last week about the two. We had two outspoken um, Dolphins fans in my DMs after Week One. How are they not your Super Bowl favorites? Etc. 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 They beat the Patriots on the road. Like, how dare you not give them the credit? You know, when they went up, went down twenty-eight or whatever it was, the Bills. I just, I just, I just did like the Forrest Gump hello wave uh, to to both of them in my DMs, and then both of them immediately went to like, Tua got hurt, and I'm like, no, wait, so you turned your franchise over to a, a an injury-prone quarterback, and now you're using it as an excuse? And the same thing happened. You know, I obviously am an outspoken Kirk Cousins hater, but then people always go, oh, man, but look what Kirk Cousins is doing with a bad defense. I'm like, well, you don't get to overpay quarterbacks and then complain when there's no one else getting paid to help that quarterback. It's like you turned your team over to Tua, who's been hurt constantly, and now he's hurt, and you're like, wow, what are we supposed to do? Tua's hurt. I don't know. Fucking not turn your team over to an injury-prone quarterback? Maybe keep the backup who was better than him last year. Yeah. I, I, you know, I never bought in with Tua and we'll see how it plays out to be determined. But we've said it time and time again, give me any quarterback in the last 20 years. I'll make it 25. Give me any quarterback who started their career being injury prone, who turned it around. I can't think of one. Can you think of one? The, I, I guess the probably the most famous one, and I wouldn't say it's injury prone, but it was, but like Drew Brees, obviously. Okay. You know, you know uh, not signed by the Dolphins and let go by the Chargers because of injury concerns. Turns out to be fine, you know. Um, I know. Sta- could- I, I know. Sta- I'll, I'll pull it up. I'll see when Stafford got injured. I know he got injured early. Um, so he got injured in, in his second year. He, 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 to me, Matthew Stafford is like one of, he's an outlier in this. Matthew Stafford only played three games the second year. And then after that, he started 16 games, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He started 16 games, eight straight years after that. So Matthew Stafford is the only one I can think of who, who was injury. I don't even know if you want to call injury prone. He obviously suffered a bad injury who then turned it around. Some guys are just more injury prone than others. But I mean, I mean, when you lose Tua, and by the way, I don't even care if Tua's in that game. They got their ass kicked. Right. Plain totally. and simple. Totally. They took a beat down. So I, I don't think it really matters. If I'm them, I keep saying I go after Deshaun Watson. Well, so here's the thing with Deshaun Watson, because you know, God, and and I saw it yesterday. I saw the tweet about it, and I still have not 
dove in to the point. Like, maybe you know better than me. What is Deshaun Watson's status? Like, what, where, where? He's a, he's a healthy scratch every week. He's a healthy scratch every week. He doesn't practice. Like, does he? I mean, is he at Texans practice? He's not suspended. He's showing up every day. Okay. But he's not on the sideline, correct? That is or a good question. I, I don't, don't even know. know. I had that game on. So the tweet him. I saw yesterday was like, if this Tyrod Taylor injury leads to Deshaun Watson playing or like being activated or like the Texans wanting him to play, that this could then force the NFL to make a ruling on, on him. But they're clearly not playing it. I mean, I mean, they, dude, they were legit in that game yesterday. The Texans were in that game. No, absolutely. But my point is the Tyrod Taylor injury now is like, well, are we starting, you know, David Mills or whoever this is? Yeah. Like uh, the tweet I saw was like, if, if this injury somehow forces the Texans to make some sort of Deshaun Watson move, that could force the NFL then to make some sort of retaliatory move about his status which is like this is what the fuck are you talking like either he either the nfl trevor bowers him while shit sorts out or they don't but like how can you just be like there's just to me it's in insane that the nfl would have a say in it but hasn't yet yeah like that 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 them being like well now we're gonna play him it's like well now we're gonna do something it's like no you can't do that yeah, I don't know. And this is all just, you know, I guess, you know, like rhetorical at this point or like, you know, not the right word. But, you know, what I'm saying like they're just this is all just speculation. Yeah, I feel like we're we're all no one's in the know right now. No one knows what's going on. The NFL is conducting their own investigation. The police or district attorney, prosecutors, whatever they're doing, they're gathering their own information. Wow, he's just getting paid. Yeah. Well, that, that's my favorite of all these things. Like, like, I feel like that gets lost in the mix of this and of the Trevor Bauer thing. Trevor Bauer got a full year salary. Yeah. To not play. Yeah. What's weird is like, you know, is this is this affecting the and I I, I just assume it has to. This like the uncertainty about his future affects not only the Texans playing him, but like a team wanting to trade for him. Like, how do you trade for somebody you don't know if we trade for him and we immediately try to start him? Then then there's some sort of yeah paid leave. I don't know do that. Yeah. Maybe the, the Saints should trade for him after Jameis's performance yesterday. Whoa, Andy, we're off the Jameis is MVP Jameis Hall of Fame train after one game. Yes. I'm just kidding, I, I'm never on that train. That train doesn't I exist. Was that train licking, is the Polar Express. I was licking my chops as seen by the tweets. The minute they go down 17, when I do the Joker from you know the Dark Knight, and here we go. Because you can't do, you know, I had some dirt balls coming at me too. And by the way, I actually agreed with them because they're they're this was laughter last week. Some dirt balls came and said, we just want him to game manage. That's fine. I agree. Me too. 
if I'm a Saints fan. I just want Jameis Winston to game manage. That should be his role. But it's so it's but, it's but such it's, a ridiculous. Did you watch request. that game? Did you watch that game? So so Sean Payton is clearly he's going beyond, and the announcers even said that he's going beyond game management managing dude they are simplifying this offense so much which to me guys it's a tell they always use the word tell it's a tell sean payton doesn't trust Jameis winston well and and, he just doesn't and the whole the so the concept of we just need him to game manage is reckless and wrong because i think more likely what sean payton's doing is like we are going to keep it simple and continue to progress. Right. And then let Jameis loose and let him more loose and let him more loose because it, and and I'm giving Sean Payton the benefit of the doubt here. If your strategy and for those people who are coming at you, we just want him to game manage. If you just want him to game manage, why would you have Jameis Winston as your quarterback? It's a good point. Why don't you go get a game manager? Why don't you go get a guy who is known for not being especially, you know, uh, uh, dynamic, but is especially safe? If you just want a game manager, why don't you have one leg Alex Smith not retire and come be the quarterback of the Saints? The idea that you're going to have Jameis Winston be your game manager is insane. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I was loving it. it. It was like a play after I tweeted that when they're down 17, nothing in the second half, you can't game manage when he switched hands. It was, yeah. one, of, it was, that was one of the funniest dude. Forget the interceptions. He's going to throw his bad picks. When he's getting sacked and switched hands, took the ball from his right hand to his left hand and threw an intentional grounding. To me, that is vintage Jameis. It's That's Jameis, what being, it's Jameis yeah. being Jameis, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's, you know what I mean? It's like that's where it's just it's just stupid to say that we brought Jameis Winston in to game manage the Saints. Yeah. It's the, it, it, like it would be a comedy club hiring me and being like, hey, uh, we need you to like, you know, whatever this weekend is, we need you not to swear and not to drink any Miller lights. That's your only. And I'm like, what you, you hired the wrong fucking dude. Yeah. My only thing here is to come out and drop F bombs and drink a shit ton of Miller lights. And look, I think the saints, the only I, reason you know, I'm here doing comedy. Yeah. It's just two games. It's not the end of the road. Carolina's played pretty well. Their first two games. I think the saints are going to be in the thick of it. But I stand by what I'm saying. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I can see the Saints going eight and nine, nine and eight. I just, guys, there's only so much a QB. I'm sorry. There's only so much a defense can do. But back to your point, because it's 100% accurate. If you want the Alex Smith 10 and six game management, you got the wrong guy. You, 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 not only did you get the wrong guy, you got the epitome of the wrong guy. You, you, there's a there's a scale of guys. Let's say let's say the the spectrum is Alex Smith is the ultimate game manager. Jameis Winston is the ultimate fucking reckless 
long throwing turnover prone. Let that is the spectrum. Yeah. Anywhere in between. Literally any other player alive is closer to the Alex Smith game manager than Jameis Winston, who is a more reckless player than Jameis Winston. I don't know a single one. Who's a more reckless quarterback in history? Maybe that's what uh, I know. It was. It would be spelled differently. Maybe that's why he's holding up the W. It's for reckless. I know it should be spelled with an R there. But, but he also is wrecking the team. So yeah, re- that's what I'm saying. Like maybe when he's eating that W, he's just that's his way of just wrecking everything. He's like, I'm gonna wreck some shit up today. You know what the huge tell of that game was? As you can see, I was watching it so closely. Oh man, dude, my 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 anti-Jameis boner was rock hard. I'm I'm not gonna even hide it. Sorry, Saints fans. I was loving it. The biggest tell in that game was they're down 17 to nothing. It's the second half. It's third and five. Sean Payton runs a dive up the middle. Maybe I'm looking too hard into this. To me, that's the tell. Dude, your quarterback, that's not that long of a distance. I'm sorry. Your coach does not trust your quarterback on third and five. He runs a dive up the middle and then brings in Taysom Hill for the fourth down. Those two series of plays set it all. Now, I know he brought in Taysom Hill a lot with Drew Brees the last couple of years. Also, we're talking about a Drew Brees who was declined as far as throwing the ball and he's older. I'm just saying Sean Payton does not trust Jameis Winston. That game to me revealed it all. He doesn't trust him. And on the flip side of things, like, you know, Sam Darnold, the Sam Darnold revenge tour. He was looking, Dar- he's looking Sam good, Dar- man. Sam Darnold literally just going, I'm telling you, man, it was the Jets the whole time. <laughs> Sam Darnold 2-0 and for the first time since 2017 at USC. He's looking pretty good, I'd say. He's looking good, but he's looking like, you know, I mean, you talk about game managing. It's just like it, he's a guy who, you know, and this is this is always a thing with whether it be the Jets quarterback or whoever. It's like on shitty teams, you have to attempt to make big plays. And when your team is not awful, you can just be more of a game manager. And he's been, you know, I wouldn't say he's been mistake free, but certainly way less mistakes. I'm on our favorite trolls. Twitter feed. It's it's amazing. Our favorite Jameis Winston troll. Oh, slash yeah, his, James, author. His Jameis Winston derangement syndrome. He has Jameis Winston derangement syndrome. The only, there is only one true Jameis Winston derangement syndrome, and it's people who think he's good. What if Barry McCockner is also the guy who wrote the Jameis Winston book? It's two people who don't show them show their own faces. Yeah. That'd be amazing. And all they do is try to nitpick and cherry pick stats. Oh, I, I need, I need more of that though. I really do. I need more of those Jameis Winston left-handed intentional grounding type plays. Barry McCockner is a lunatic and his online persona is troubled. Um, But his, his fact-based 
opinions are so much more in the realm of reality than than Jameis one of one. Well, I, I'd argue that too, but yeah, he, he's he's off the rails for me with the Tom Brady stuff. Okay, I'm gonna read this real quick. I saw a YouTube comment. This is kind of funny. New poll. Andy gets a bigger, I assume he meant boner. It says Rager. When A, Russ wins a game in the fourth quarter, B, Jameis has a bad game, C, Bengals doing Bengals things, or D, reading Black Sports Online headlines. Which one gives me the biggest boner? I feel like your Jameis hate is almost greater than your Russ love now. And I, I think, think that's, I think it is. it is. I think it's partially because you've, you've worn yourself too thin in, in your love of things in the end. Like almost all of your hate is devoted toward Jameis, much like mine. I, I still have hate for other people. Uh, and, and obviously I have tons of hate in my heart to go around. <laughs> I can spread it around. Kirk Cousins can get plenty while Jameis still getting some. But I feel like your love, you know, you love Russ. You're a Rams fan. You love Brady. You're a charter season ticket holder. You're wearing yourself. You know, there's only so much love you're on. If you were just focused on your Russ love, you might be where where you are with Jameis. And I'm excited. Like, dude, I'm here for it because you know me. Like, I've uh, I've been on the SS Jameis hate. I've been the captain of the SS Jameis hate since fucking Hard Knocks. Real quick, you're saying Rams. I want to go to them real quick because we didn't really discuss them when discussing the Colts. Like, they're going to be tough. That, that, that game to me, I felt, you know, it's it's on the road. They had a letdown, but I, I thought they should have just waxed them. They should have. But listen, it's it, it's the NFL, man. Any given Sunday, you're on sure. the road. You, you know, you have a Sunday night game last week. You're, you know, th- like all the things. I think almost more importantly than the letdown is not letting down entirely the huge yeah. pick obviously against the backup quarterback, but you get the, you get the backup quarterback in there. You don't let him do a single thing. You immediately take the ball back. You end the game. I think that, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the performance from the Rams defense you want to see, but at the same time, they knock out the starting quarterback, you know, Wentz plays, you know, make some reckless plays against it. And then, you know what I love about the Rams and it, and it's what, it's what makes me so sad as a giants fan with Jason Garrett as our offense coordinator, but like Sean McVay is just so good at exposing the other team while also just like, sometimes I don't even think he's trying to beat the defense as much as he's like trying to feed certain guys. Like, Sean McVay has 15 different ways to get Cooper Cup the ball. And Jason Garrett has one way to get Saquon Barkley the ball. It's like, it's unbelievable. Like, Cooper Cup, I feel like, is like a, a, a slightly above average receiver. And, and McVay just goes like, I know he's going to make the right fucking you know, play. I know he's going to run the right pattern. I know he's going to do. And so I have 25 ways to get him the ball. And it turns Cooper Cup into a fucking all-pro receiver. I think he's pretty good, man. He's pretty good, but man, every fucking thing he does is like suddenly he's found he's he has the ball two yards downfield in space with like blocking set up. I mean, half the time he's got two hand coverage on the ball. Seems like he's running in slow motion. 
and he fucking is amazing. I I'm I'm not I'm not this is not a diss on Cooper Cup. This is this is it's very Belichick Edelman like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, I know he's gonna make he's not gonna fuck it up. So all he has to do is not fuck it up and it's set up to win. And he doesn't. He doesn't fuck it up. And it's it dude, he's amazing. But McVeigh's offense is amazing. Yeah, no, it is. It really is. And then I watch like, oh, we're just going to shotgun draw Saquon Barkley and hope he makes somebody miss in the backfield. What do you think of that Dallas game? That was a pretty back and forth game. Some costly turnovers by Herbert, some some bad throws. Yeah. You know, they the the Chargers had a real opportunity there. And in week one, you know, everybody's thing about the Chargers in week one was that's a prototypical Chargers loss the last few years, but they didn't lose it. They won it. And then they kind of came back and had one of those Chargers losses in week two at home when you have an opportunity to be t- like they could be 2-0 and and leading the division, you know, with the Broncos and the Raiders and whatever. But like the idea that the idea of having a last place Chiefs team after two weeks and the Chargers piss it away and give Zerline a chance to win the game. And, you know, props to Zerline for kicking a 58 yarder and props to Dallas. But like there was like how many times was the ball punted in that game? Not not. There wasn't five total punts, right? There wasn't, I don't even know there was four total punts. And yet the game's like 17-17 in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was it was interesting from that perspective. Both it's like teams, a lot of moving the ball, but no yeah. one put, punching it in. I was going to say, both teams were moving the ball pretty effectively. That stadium looked pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm curious. I, I didn't text. Uh, we were texting yesterday before the game. I'm curious what percentage was Cowboys fans. You could hear it. When you oh, watched, it was, oh yeah, it, it was heavy. Oh yeah, I think there are more. Um, you know, and there's more Chargers, the Chargers fans than I thought. Chargers fans are like a a blossoming, you know, uh, fan base. Even though I don't know where you guys would come from, but perhaps they're they're, <laughs> they're living in Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> my theory is, yeah, my theory is that. Longtime Chargers fans who swore them off are have easily returned as like the prospect of a good team returns. Well, when you have, I mean, Justin Herbert's a, I know, but like, you know, you got Chargers banner guy and the guy, you know, I'll die before I, I I feel like a lot of those people have come back. Yeah. Well, like I said, it helps when you have an exciting young team. Yeah. But also, just don't say that in the first place. Don't say like, "I'll die before I root for the fucking Spanoses again." Yeah. Oh, oh, we got Herbert. Uh, I kind of, kind of like him. Yeah, it's not, it's not me with the Bengals. Yeah, I'm not going back. And and, and Joe Burrow, I I, I got to read this headline. It's so funny to me. It's like it's like classic Cincinnati sports headline where everyone saw this coming. Where is this? Let me pull this up. This was uh, the editorial on the local Cincinnati paper. It was uh, Bengals can't keep letting Joe Burrow get sacked like this. Oh, thank you, Captain Obvious. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so he's just getting destroyed. He was sacked four more times yesterday. 
but that doesn't even do the justice of the three picks, the hurries. I mean, he, he, again, the fact that you have a Ferrari and you don't take care of it and Jamar chase could be a great receiver. But it doesn't matter. I don't know how many teams are going to do this. You have to protect your investment. And you know, you know who the, the prime example of this is? Andrew Luck. He's not playing in the NFL because the Colts waited too long to protect their Ferrari. They waited too long. And honestly, you know, we do, we break down quarterbacks on this show a lot and whatever. And it's just like, it's absolutely a, a, a factor in so many of these guys' careers that that people straight up write off or that people bone her out over without considering the fact that it's the number one most important thing for a quarterback success. 100%. It's like, oh, fucking this guy sucks. Oh, Sam Darnold fucking sucks. It's like, take Sam Darnold off the Jets, put him on a mediocre team and i'm not saying sam arnold's great by any means i'm just saying all he has to do to make a leap into a average player is be on a team where he's not running fucking scared all the time sure let me you know look at look at i mean stafford is in the mvp conversation is his odds dropped his mvp odds go like that simply by leaving detroit you know, like it's it's unbelievable the way people, you know, judge guys when they're just running scared. And and you know, you look at a guy like Jameis. Everybody's like, "Oh, Jameis." Well, maybe if it was at the but it's like the second Jameis left, they won the fucking Super Bowl. Yeah, you gotta protect these guys. Look what the look what the Chiefs did after that Super Bowl. They said on last night's broadcast, they were already making changes on that flight back. Yeah. And obviously, Patrick Mahomes is a once-in-a-lifetime generational talent. But I'm also talking about guys who are have potential to be great. I think Joe Burrow has potential to be a great quarterback. But James, or, uh, sorry, Patrick Mahomes is a great example of a guy who comes on the scene hot because he's taken in the middle of the first round to a team that trades up for him, to a team that already has something in place. Most generational talents come out and get drafted by horrible teams. You know, uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, uh, you know, fucking Joe Burrow, all these guys, the guys, Zach Wilson, the guys who get picked in the top three picks, you're going to be on bad teams. Now it's, it's a perfect example of why a guy like Trey Lance is in a, is primed to succeed. They trade up to get him because they have a down year. They're even in the position to trade up to get him. They can sit him behind a guy who's, you know, fine. People are going to be like, I, like, I guarantee you this year, if he gets to play next year, the year after, whatever, people are going to be like, so great. They're going to bone her out over him because he's not behind a terrible offensive line like the guys who are really fucking good. Yeah, you just it's just so important, especially I think the, I think the skilled positions now more than ever, I don't think the level of talent. And again, this is just a layman's observation. I don't know shit about scouting 
or any of the deep analytical stuff. But this is just my observation. I think the difference between a first round and a seventh round wide receiver or running back, I, I just don't know how great it is anymore. I just think all these guys are so skilled. And what matters is the team around you, the offensive 100%. line. Because like you, and you said this last week, like, and, and when it comes to receivers, who's the quarterback that's getting you the ball? I was just going to say, you, you know, these, these guys, if they have time in the NFL, they can make passes plain and simple. It's the same way in the NBA. You give a guy an open shot. This isn't the 1980, you know, the eighties guys are just going to hit shots. Yeah. You know, it, to, uh, it's, it's my giants again, you know, I did a show on Saturday night and one of the other guys on it, was a sports fan. He's like, so, you know, we're talking about the giants Washington game. He's like, Danny dimes look pretty good. He's like, what's your thought? Are you in? Are you out? And I'm like, I am still at the point where I'm like, Hey, I can't judge a guy who is playing behind a terrible offensive line. I know he's not an elite player who comes in and succeeds in spite of it. But I also know he's not the worst player ever because he's not a goddamn train wreck. But I was like, the, the thing that makes me still up in the air about Daniel Jones is the whole world knows Saquon Barkley is legit as fuck. But Saquon Barkley isn't doing shit because they can't fucking block for him. But also, so, don't you think he, you know, he had a serious knee injury? Yeah. I actually think Saquon Barkley's knee is fine. I think the problem with, Saquon Barkley, which will continue until they fucking, you know, are so bad that they trade him for pennies on the dollar. And then he wins a fucking MVP somewhere is that he is getting hit in the backfield every play. And when he doesn't, it's a 40 yard run. Well, is there anything else from yesterday's games that we want to discuss? I know we obviously didn't discuss all the games, but any other takeaways? I, I didn't really watch the Patriots Jets, to be honest. It was just a interception bonanza. Uh, the Patriots played fine. Um, and, you know, there, I, there, obviously there's a combo of Bill Belichick versus a rookie quarterback. And like, I'm not, I'm not saying Zach Wilson played like, good and you know got outsmarted by any means but like no one's surprised by that right yeah. and then but like you the, the idea that the patriots scored 25 points when the guy turns the ball over four times like it's not like their offense was like firing sure you know um i think the only other games worth mentioning are uh like the buccaneers kind of showing that it got close and then they pulled away it seems like you know, the fact that it went from 28-25 to 48-25, the defense wasn't having that comeback. There's, they've sort of separated themselves out into probably, you know, uh, the class of the NFC with maybe, you know, the Rams, maybe the, the Niners, which is the other game to talk about. It's like, I guess the, I guess the Jalen Hurts MVP talk is also out after one game, right? Yeah, it was a... This is a defensive struggle for sure. It was pretty ugly. Yeah. But I, 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 I stand by. I, st 12 I still for 23, 190. I still think the Eagles finished higher than your Giants in that division after two weeks. Okay. 
because I think their their D's playing all right. Yeah, and the Giants D is playing is like my, the the issue with my Giants is now a defensive issue where strategically they're trying to give up yards. <laughs> like after week one, I was like, man, you know, team will team will figure out how to get off the field on third down and fourth down eventually. And then Thursday night football did a way better job than, you know, your typical one PM Fox game uh, of breaking it down. They, they did a greater job of showing you kind of like the, the full 22 thing. It's like the giants seem to be going like, we will give you seven yards on every play, which seems like a reckless defensive strategy in the NFL. That was a great game though, man. That's one, great these, game. that's one of these primetime games. I, I do. You, you know what I love about sports? I love seeing a guy like Heineke just making great passes. Guy you don't expect. That's, that's what's so great about it. Guy who was in college last year taking classes, taking math classes. That, that's what's made it so fun for me is some of these games. Like That's why I said expect the unexpected. I just think these guys are so good now. If you give them time to throw. Well, and, and that's, that was my point is like, I'm not taking away anything from Heineke. The one throw in the end zone was incredible. Sure. But the entire game, they're just giving him everything. Like giving a guy check downs is one thing. Giving a guy seven yard outs on every, like that seems, I hate to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get somebody from the giants on the phone. I have a lot of numbers. I want to say, Hey, this strategy of, play seven yards off of every receiver is reckless. We can't, we can't, we're turning Taylor Heineke into a 300 yard passer. This is a reckless strategy. You know, who did not look good yesterday. And I know it was the first time getting significant playing time in the NFL was Justin Fields. And if I'm a bears fan, they almost let that game slip away. Now he did have a huge first down run at the end, but he threw an awful pick to put the Bengals right back in it. I would prefer Andy Dalton right now if he's healthy. Well, the Bears agree with you. They said if Andy Dalton's healthy, he'll play. Okay. Now, now Nagy's play calling, that's a whole other discussion because I think he's yeah. terrible. But yeah. offensive yeah. genius. You know what's crazy about those terms? They're always used with people who it's not true. And you right. rarely hear that. Like, take Sean McVay. Yeah. You only hear about Gase and Nagy and that's what I'm saying. Sean McVay is an offensive genius. Yeah. Like Andy Reid and Bianami, like they're doing some great things. They've done great things. Like genius. Like you don't hear that term tossed around. Yeah, but also like they can't run the ball. And like we do that's that's the thing we we do. It's like to me, like you you look at a guy like McVay and you look at a guy like, I mean, at least Kingsbury, like they're dynamic. They do all kinds of different things. Now they have a quarterback that allows them to do that kind of stuff, but it's like, you're not going to beat. And and they proved it yesterday. You're not going to beat the Cardinals in a shootout. And like, I feel like the Cardinals are a team. It's like, they're going to be the, no one wants to play them in the playoffs team. If they make it. Cause it's like, damn, they can do so many things. But when you're like, you know, you're na- naggy, it's like how many different variations of personnel are you going to have and not get any of your playmakers of all ever. It's the same thing I go through with Jason Garrett. It's like, dude, 
The Giants have playmakers. You can't get any of them the ball. The, the best offensive strategy the Giants have is RPOs with your quarterback. He's your yeah. leading rusher. This is a, this is, a, and by the way, love, love the Daniel Jones running ability. How often does it, is it successful long-term where a guy doesn't get hurt? Sure. You love it and you hate it. Like if this is the only way the Giants can move the ball, they're, they're destined to fail. And their own too. So I uh, actually golfed on Friday. Love it. Yeah, it was it was my first time probably since since February, and uh, I wanted to make sure when I hit the links that I was looking good, Joe, because we all know how important style is on the golf course. It so, was you know the guys I golf with, Laz, Tug, our our golf crew would, would say that it's the only thing sure. that I that I that I successfully do on the golf course. Yeah, so I made sure to wear some of my Everlane gear. Love my Everlane gear. I wore uh, I wore one of their shirts. I wore a pair of their pants. Guys, if you haven't checked out Everlane, it's great because they have so many types of products. That's what I love. I also have my, my favorite new pair of sweats is my Everlane sweats. They're, there's this charcoal black. I wear them to yoga. That's right. Leave class like, oh, look, at what are you wearing? I'm like, check out those Everlane. I was like, that's what I'm rocking. So Dirtballs, if you uh, haven't checked out Everlane, we have a great deal for you right now. You go If you go to everlane.com forward slash dirty and sign up to get 10% off your first order plus free shipping and get easy returns within 30 days of your ship date. Once again, that's 10% off your first order when you go to everlane.com forward slash dirty to sign up. And uh, like I said, they have such a variety from workout to takeout, swimwear to track wear, styles for lounging at home or hitting up your favorite late night spot. All those different types are available. So go to everlane.com forward slash dirty and sign up for 10% off your first order plus free shipping. It was actually pretty funny golfing. I got drilled on the first hole in the foot. I have a... How does this happen? Okay, because I'm an idiot. One, I take full accountability. So it was uh, it was a scramble. Is that what they're called where you take the best shot? Yeah. So this was with my brother, Brad. He does this, and he's, by the way, the worst golfer of all time. Like, all time. All time. He has no patience. He gets angry. And this was through Cincinnati Eye Institute. They do this every year at the uh, the Blue Ash Golf Course. And... So, you know, we're, it's a foursomes and you're taking the best shot and the woman he always plays with. So it was me, another dude, my brother and, and a woman he works with the Cincinnati Eye Institute. Anyway, I'm walking ahead and I shouldn't be walking ahead before she shot her first shot. Now I'm also like, when I say walking ahead, I'm talking like I'm, I'm, not that far actually in front of her. She would have to completely hit it. I don't know angles because I was terrible at math, yeah. but she basically has to hit it almost parallel to me. Yeah. Yeah. And she a hundred percent shanks it. And it is a full line drive. Dude, like this is a one in a million chance. It goes directly to my heel. And thank God it hit 
a cushioned part of my shoe because everybody's like, dude, that would have totally broken your foot. Now my, now like, and I scream, fuck. And I'm like, what the fuck, Amy? And I'm yelling at her because it's really not her fault. It's my fault. No, it's not. It's hundred percent your fault. It's hundred percent my fault. As somebody who has hit somebody and somebody who has hit multiple like golf carts that were parked ahead of us. Uh, you're ba- like, if you're behind, you're 100% safe. And if you're in front, you're not 100% safe. So it's like, yeah, just that's why golf is played from the back forward. Like you, you let the guys who are for this back go and you don't hundred percent your fault, but you know, and I got a wicked, the bru- I've never had a bruise like this. It's black and purple across my, like the side of my heel. Black and my- purple, black and purple, black and purple. And yeah. And it's, it's like, I played through it. Obviously we had cart, so I wasn't walking the whole 18 holes, but yeah, I learned my lesson, man. And, and, and just the odds, like I, I saw it coming at me and it was so quick where it's like, where do you go? Where do you move? And it just, just jacked me up. Although I thought I played decent for a guy who doesn't play. And, uh, man, those you minimal- have tunes coming out of your minimal golf bag. Did you, yeah. do you, did you I buy did. some tunes? My brother wanted some country shit. So I let it, it was his thing. So I let him play his country music. Yeah. Which I didn't want to hear, but whatever. Yeah. The tunes and my, I got such an old iPhone. My iPhone is five and a half years old. So it always just goes down on juice, but I had a phone charger. Yeah. On my bag. Dude, Brilliant. those, those bags, that bag was a hit. That thing, that thing was a, those things are awesome. It's legit. Those guys are the best. I love, yeah. I love the, those crew, that crew, the whole minute. Yeah. Team Sam from Minimal, great dude. Love, so, love so, that. So, so maybe I'll golf a little more because the weather's gonna start. That was a really hot day, but the weather will start uh, cooling Fall down. Golf, little leaves changing. Yeah, we'll see. I, I say that, dude. I've been saying this for two years, and then I just hide in the basement, watch NFL. We need to. We need to get. We need to get the I intercepted the shirt from Jameis Winston. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should we bring a, a classic? We should bring that back. Yeah. Oh, we didn't discuss. Go ahead. Go, no, I was going to say, we didn't discuss that Hard Knocks is coming to the Colts midseason. Oh, yeah. I mean, so my thoughts on this are are layered. One, you better be fucking, you guys better find a way to make it more interesting than the Cowboys. Like, I, I know the Cowboys, it was like, it was horribly boring. And I put that on the Cowboys, but I also put it on HBO. It's like, you got to like, it's still an NFL team. There's fucking stories there. Sure. Like it's, it's gotta be better now, obviously mid season with the Colts, there'll be way more drama baked in, but I'm, I mean, I'll watch it at least an episode or two. It's yeah. awesome. Right. It's funny. Cause Schefter, I think was it Schefter who put out the tweet like announcement coming on Sunday night about or Monday or Thursday or whatever day it was. I think it was Thursday night football. Now it's been coming tonight about hard knocks and people were like, you're finally canceling the piece of shit show. And I was like, who wants this show canceled? Yeah. Like, yeah, the Cowboys season sucked, but like, and I, and I gave up after two episodes, but I'm also like, yeah, give me another one. Sure. Yeah. The four, nine Colts. Dude, I'm low on them, man. That like was that what it was gonna be when they're like five and eight? We're gonna be featuring them on Hard Knocks. I don't know. Do you know Carson Wentz's record since he posted that picture of him and his wife on a boat? It's really bad. 
Oh, here we go again. You know, the Giants have the worst record. They literally have the worst record in the NFL since that boat pick. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. Except I think Carson Wentz has a worse record personally since he posted that picture of him on a boat with his wife. Bullshit. Bullshit. I refuse to believe it. I would like okay. to. It is pretty funny. The Giants have the worst record in the NFL since that boat pick. Since, since a randomly selected time. Obviously, it's, it's for fodder, comedic fodder. Right. But, it's, but I mean, yeah, and that's fine, except no one like I would say you are the only person that takes this. Everybody else is like, yep, fucking totally. The curse of the boat pick. Speaking of that, Odell didn't play again yesterday and they win. Yeah. So now they're one and one without him. You know, my stance. Get rid of Odell. I mean, they, they played a close game against the Texans. It was a close game. They lose to the Colts. Um, before we move on, I have one last NFL thing just because I want to. They, they lost to the Chiefs. Right. What, what did I say? Colts. Yeah, it's wild. Um, the one thing I have, and I know we obviously do week, you know, the lines week by week, but I, I'm, I was interested in this and it, I think it could change before uh thursday the only surprising besides my giants three-point favorites at home against the falcons besides that i was very surprised to see early lines uh rams open one and a half point favorites to the box surprise surprising for you or or you think in los angeles in la no not surprising not surprised no. I mean, what they're saying is that's a one and a half point bucks at home. I think the Rams are actually playing better right now than the Bucks. I just think that I just think the Rams defense is so, so good. I don't I think, think the Rams I, are playing better than the Bucks right now. I'm just surprised. I mean, maybe that's Vegas's way of, you know, preparing for the public money, but they don't really usually do that. Well, apparently, I, I know we mock the ratings a lot. So take this with a grain of salt. Apparently, the ratings are up big time in the city of Los Angeles for NFL. Which, from what I read, if the ratings are up in the second biggest city in the country, then it just elevates the ratings overall. Yeah. Like NFL ratings are up this year. Again, I take it with a grain of salt because we, we obviously mock the ratings. But... Obviously, you have two very competitive and fun teams to watch. Yeah. I mostly just mock people who mock the ratings. I don't even like the ratings are whatever. And like, there's so many things not considered and they're whatever. But it's like, it's a great example. This fact is a great example of like, you can find the way to make anything be the story that you want. It's not, it sounds like Los Angeles really enjoys and racism in the, in the end zone. Is that maybe it's just that both the LA teams are good. Yeah. Maybe. Is that what they have in their end zone and racism? Maybe. Maybe it's that both LA teams are new and there's a new stadium and people want to see SoFi. Or maybe it's like, get woke, get rich. Does their end zone say end racism? All the NFL end zones say end racism. I'm literally asking that facetiously, but also seriously because the NFL... <laughs> NFL makes it like negative six font. I'm like, what they do? They have that. 
what they should, what the end zone should say is end taunting penalties. That's what, that's what they should yeah. say. You know, it should just say end zone. <laughs> I agree. You're here now. Well, in related Rams and chargers news, cause it's going to be right down the street. The Clippers unveiled their new $2 billion arena. Mm-hmm. I think this is great. This is another thing when it comes to LA sports. It's like, is it, is it like, um, you know, uh, like what's the word I'm looking for? Is it like, is it like too much? Like, you know, it's totally fine that the Clippers play in Staples. You know what I mean? If you look at SoFi, it's going to be shared by both teams. But putting it in that area, it, that the SoFi is our, and, and the forum becoming uh, a music, a specifically music venue, they, they made it a point to like change the acoustics or whatever. Then you add SoFi. You have a casino there. You've gotten rid of the racetrack, which obviously racetracks historically bring a certain oh my god group, dude. group of degenerates dude is, is there i went to the one recently in cincinnati the one right by me like two miles away on a friday afternoon is there a bigger group of degenerates no, no. that go to a racetrack on like a no. friday afternoon no as a guy who used to work for at a racetrack it's unbelievable i my, like honestly my best received comedy in history I used to shoot. I've talked about this before. I used to shoot camera of the races. So I was up in a like basically a, a, a crow's nest and I would shoot the above camera. And it was my favorite job because you had a little TV up there where you could look at the you know shot that you were doing. But in between races in those 20, 25 minutes between races, I would just watch a Knicks game or whatever. And I was just chilling. Essentially between races, I didn't have to do anything. But a lot of times between races, what I would do is I would point my camera down at the apron and shoot all the people walking around. And then with my headset, go into the control room and just do comedy about the people I was seeing. And literally nothing was better because every, it was like being on the boardwalk in Venice. Like every person is some form of degenerate weirdo guy there with his kids, lady, you know, it's like the people that go to a racetrack on a weekday afternoon. Oh, it's depressing. So, you know, Englewood got rid of Hollywood Park. They kept the casino portion, slightly less degenerates than racetrack gamblers. But they're turning around that area, and it's awesome. Um, so I'm excited for the Clippers, and it gives them their own place. They're not just turning around, you know, the the shelves at Staples. I do find it funny, though, because people just still don't care. Like, like they just they should be in San Diego, man. I I, say that you say that, but look at the ratings up for the football teams. Look at all these chargers fans coming out of nowhere. It's like, it is a big city there. You, you're, you probably have more fans taking the sec, taking the runoff of Lakers fans than you do having all of the fans that care about sports in San Diego. Yeah. As proven by the move by the chargers. I mean, he's putting his own money into it. Yeah. I saw it was a dome. I saw a good tweet about it. It's like a dome. It looks like looks like almost like a, a SoFi kind of thing where it'll be roofless. Somebody said, 
No Raptors because they don't have anything to hang. Savage. All right. You want to hear from the dirt balls? Yeah. Bust out a few calls. Andy, while we, uh, while you get the calls lined up, can I get one plug in? Cause I feel like sometimes people don't wait around to the end of the show. Yeah, go for it. I'm less than two weeks away from my shows in New Orleans, Louisiana. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday at the brand new and gorgeous comedy house, New Orleans. If you're listening to this show, uh, provided you're not listening to it live on YouTube right now, go to my Instagram. I just put up a fantastic post um, made by good friend of the show, Trevor Millis. Uh, good poster for my comedy house, New Orleans show. Um, please come if you're in. New Orleans or anywhere down in that area. It's going to be a great weekend of shows and Giants at Jameis. Jameis. Giants need, Giants need to beat the Falcons this weekend. And then, and then my game against Jameis has like, I, I'm ex- then I'll be like excited. It'll mean something. If we lose this week to the Falcons, go 0-3. Season's basically over. Well, let's start with a call that's been sitting here for a minute. What's up, Dirty Sports? It's JT from Jersey coming at you with a question about jam bands. Um, I just saw Bed and Company for the first time last night. It was pretty dope. Uh, I was wondering if you guys have ever been to a Grateful Dead show or a fish show or anything like that. And uh, if so, you know, if you got any good stories, so let me know. And uh, condoms are for Joe Bartnick. So I saw Dead and Company last week. Yeah. The 11th, never forget, September 11th. Now, I don't know shit about the Grateful Dead, for the record. I basically went, my one brother is a huge deadhead. Like, he went to that show, and he actually went and saw them at Wrigley on Saturday. Yeah, so he, he did back-to-back weeks. That tends to be the thing with fish heads, yeah. deadheads. So, like, like, he's diehard. Now, I went uh, with two of my brothers, and full disclosure lots of cannabis products. Like I was crushing it harder than anybody. So my thing was I'm probably not harder than anybody at the dead and company show but in, in our group of three in your group. Yeah. Bill Walton was walking around with two tabs of acid running through him. <laughs> like I'm doing better than everybody. He's like, really? I'm dressed like uncle Sam. Never forget. Dude, it's, it's a great people. And he's watching. like, I have four milligrams of edibles. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Bill Wallen's like, I smoke so much pot in the 70s that I have four <laughs> milligrams running through me even if I don't take cannabis that day. That's my baseline. It was, it was fun, man. They, they don't fuck around. No openers. They came on at 7.15. At one point, there was a 45-minute break. They played till 11. So they played for three hours total. It was packed. So the venue out to is Riverbend, which is the one right by me, which is on the river. I think it seats, it's outdoors, seven or 8,000. And then with the lawn, it gets up to like 16,000. It was packed. That's the most packed I've ever seen it. And a few observations that I had just watching. At one point in the concert, I said to my brothers, I go, look how few people are drinking. It's, which obviously it's very drug centric, that crowd. Yeah. I'd say yeah. half or more than half, slightly more than half. People didn't have alcohol in their hands. They're just dancing, smoking pot. You know, 
I would recommend it for anybody who wants to just people watch and chill and enjoy some good music. Now, my now, brother, how about, how about the show itself? Were you like, were you like, man, this is sick? I mean, I enjoyed it. Like I was, I was, you know, I was in the zone. I was stoned. I was dancing. Uh, now, my brother said it didn't compare to Wrigley, of course. And he, he said their energy level from Cincinnati to Wrigley was night and day. I thought it was fun. I, I would 100% go to another Grateful Dead concert. In fact, anytime I'd be asked to go, I would go. I think it's a lot of fun. And I think I think the scene there and the vibe is just so much better. Like a lot of concerts, people get aggressive. They get angry. There's none of that, man. Everyone's chill. They're all high. I have never been to a dead show of any version. Not obviously not original dead, no dead in company. I've never been to a dead show. That being said, I have been to more than one fish concert. I have been to a uh, spaghetti incident or whatever the fuck they're called. I think that's right. Sorry to you, uh, jam band fans out there. I've been to, uh, a couple of widespread panic. Is that the other one? Uh, shows three, three of, I would say some of your foremost jam bands behind, um, the grateful dead. And I've gone to all of those. Oh, and the, and sort of I, what I will say was, is the crossover version. Uh, I've, so I've gone to all those shows as like a, Hey man, I've got an extra ticket. Do you want to come? It's like, sure. Fuck it. Like I like going to concerts. I'm always down to go to a concert. Um, so I went never with the idea of like, I love this band. I love this music. Like this is my shit. I would say the crossover between the kind of music I like to go to and the jam band thing. And this will probably also enrage uh, jam band fans is like, I've been to multiple, I've probably been to 10 or 12 Dave Matthews shows in my day, which Definitely more, um, you know, radio friendly. But then when you go see them live, they tend to jam out more sure. than whatever. It's just not my favorite thing. Like I, ha I have a, an appreciation of the instrument work that these guys do and I enjoy it. But normally what tends to happen is I enjoy it for the first 30% of what ends up being like a way too long jam. Um, I don't need 10 minutes of guitar followed by 10 minutes of the next guy doing his thing followed by 10 minutes. And I say, it's just, it's just not my thing. Um, maybe I'm, maybe my music tastes are too corporate for that. Uh, but I'm not a huge jam band guy. It's not, it's never been my thing. And, uh, you know, music is taste. Yeah. So even when I go to a Dave Matthews show, it's like, I, I appreciate you guys doing the ones, you know, and by the way, every good band, if you go, if you go see Springsteen and the East Street Band, if you go see the Stones, if you go see whoever, they they usually do the song where they're like, everybody's gonna show off now, and I'm here for that. But every song, it's just like I'm kind of like, sing the fucking song. Yeah, well, I, I I probably align more with you as far as the music. I you know my thing was like cool, like I was just more for the scene. Yeah. Like when you play forever, I do have to share a story uh, from one of my brothers who was who was very. He was probably definitely more stoned than me, but like next level. And I'm not gonna reveal which one, but uh, 
<laughs> he was so high. He was just a mess. Like he goes, I'm going to the bathroom. This is how high is. He comes back 30 seconds later and then he says, I'm worried though. If I go, I'm not able to find you guys. Like he's that level. He's like yeah. me, Dodgers Nationals 420 a few years ago. So this guy comes up to us mid concert and he sees him and he gives my brother a hug. They're talking for no lie. 20 minutes easily. My brother gives him, I've never seen somebody give somebody so many daps or hugs within 20 minutes. And my other brother says to me, he has no clue who this guy is. And he's so stoned. It's so funny. I've never seen somebody talk to somebody so long. And my brother, 20 minutes into talking to this dude, looks at him, baked out of his mind, just says, what's your name again, man? (laughs) And he looked at my brother like he was special needs. And he puts his hands on his chest like he's talking to somebody who's learning how to talk or hear for the first time. And he goes, I'm Pat. <laughs> Amazing. It was, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I, I could not stop laughing. I'm like, dude, you literally talked to that guy for 20 minutes, gave him a million hugs, had no clue what his name was, and then just came out with it and says, what's your name, man? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think for like jam band thing, that's like the thing that they're there for the scene. And I think a lot of them love the music, too. And I'm not saying they don't like great for you. I know Zach Olmstead's going to like send me a 45 minute Trey Anastasio fucking guitar solo after this to like try to convince me why I should love fish or whatever. But uh, and I'll say, you know, you you know, maybe it's just that I'm a drinker. uh, But. In term, and I'm not saying that this person is a better musician by any means, not even close. But I ha- there's one the one thing that I do for the scene and not the music, and it's maybe that I'm a drinker, is like I will go to a thousand Jimmy Buffett shows before I will go to a jam band show. Give me the Hawaiian shirts, give me the margaritas, give me the fucking yeah. you know, pina coladas in the parking lot. And the fucking I'll even sit through fins, which might be my least favorite song in the history of planet Earth um, for, you know, the fucking tropical vibes and the drinking vibes. Sure. I'll it's do definitely that over a, jam band a million times. Yeah. All right. Let's get to another call before we do that. Quick reminder. Hotline is 310-359-8365. Joe, Andy. It's your uh, boy Jay Lone Center here in beautiful South Carolina. A uh, couple of couple of quick things for you guys. Um, one, I love the Norm tribute on today's show. It's absolutely fantastic. He's one of my favorites. I thought you uh, did a great job paying homage to uh, somebody who obviously you guys cared about too. It's fantastic. Second, just had a friend get back from beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio. Brought me some Skyline Chili. I'm gonna shit on it. I've at least got to eat it once, right? So, gonna try that tonight. Third, quick question, Andy. Maybe you've explained this before. Um, I've listened to a lot of episodes, so forget some things. But um, I understand you went back on your Cincinnati Bengals fandom several years ago, reasonably. Uh, but how come you never switched from the Reds? Because they haven't very been very successful in a long time either. And um, I was just curious. If you explained it already, don't worry about it. But um, just a thought. Um, anyways, stay dirty. Keep up the good work. It's a good question. I don't think I've actually fully explained it. I mean, 
if I had to guess your answer, it's that you don't despise Reds ownership. Yeah, that's what it boils down to. I mean, I mean, the look, the Reds have not won a playoff series since 1995. Series. And they've had some epic meltdowns. The two-game lead in 2012, when they win two in San Francisco, come back, lose three in a row. San Francisco goes on to win the World Series. This year, add this to the list of just meltdowns. Now, granted, that was for a wild card one game. But the difference is they do care. Like, like the Reds' ownership whoever it's been, whether it was Marge Schott or Carl Linder, and now it's um, Bob Castellini, like they, they try, you know what I'm saying? Like, like they're working with a limited budget, but they went out and they got Castellanos. Now, granted, he's going to be gone after this year, but they got Moustakas. Now, some of these things don't work out. You know, they're paying people. If you go down to the Reds ballpark, it's, I would argue it's one of the most family-centric ballparks now around because they added playgrounds. They added things. They added multiple playgrounds. Like, in fact, I'm going to put this – I'm going to just say this about Reds fans. You guys suck. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there. Well, so here's, here's... – you, you you, you, Real quick, you guys don't support the team when they have limited budgets. I've gone to nine Reds games this year. You don't support the team. And when you need money to get players, because I was reading some comments, because obviously the Reds are in a tailspin, and I was reading some comments on the athletic, you know, the, the beat writer for the Reds for the athletic. And oh, well, the, now the ownership's just going to bitch that we need more. Fa- you, you do need to go to games. Guys, this year they had a fun team. Things came together. Nobody expected Wade Miley to pitch that well or Votto to play that well or Castellanos to have a season that he's never had before. But you guys don't – I went to the Reds game, I don't know how many weeks ago. It was a Friday night. Okay, the Tigers suck. 19,000 people there. So I think that they – I think there's there's two things. Uh, two, two points about what you're saying. One about your fandom and then the other about this. I think it's a two-way street, and everybody always likes to point the finger at the other one. The bottom line is – Sports fans generally are fair weather. Like generally, if your team isn't good, you're, you're like, got people aren't going to show up. They're not, they don't all care the way, you know, we care about sports. We obviously host a sports podcast. Like, listen, if I was in New York right now, the Mets are out of it. I'd still catch a game. You know what I mean? If the Mets were in LA right now, I would be there. Um, No matter what their situation is, but not everybody's a diehard fan. It's a two-way street, though, because I think the the bottom line when it comes to ownership is like they're they're all billionaires. This the the I think it's the biggest cop out in the history of sports, especially in baseball, when these when these owners cry small market. You know, you there's enough people in Cincinnati to fill your stadium, and if you were in a World Series, the stadium would be full. But you're not going to be at the World Series until you spend money to put a World Series team on. So it's like you have to spend money to make money. You want people to show up, put a good fucking product on the field and put it on the field consistently. And then maybe people will show up, have a good stadium. You know, like Oakland cries poor all the time. Stop inviting people out to a shitty football stadium like you need. You know, the Reds have a nice stadium and then the Reds had a nice product this year. But it's like. If you want to make fans die hard, put consistent good teams on the field. You have to spend money to make money. Uh, you know, Houston's 
a, a, a fairly big market. But like, dude, that stadium was packed when we were there in the middle of August because they're fucking good. It's like you got to spend money to make money. So, yeah, you can criticize the fans, but I can also criticize ownerships. Just like, I mean, obviously, that's why the Wilpons are the worst human beings to ever walk the face of the earth because they cried small market in the biggest market in the world, which is ridiculous. But like, don't buy a baseball team if you don't want to spend the money to put a competitive baseball team on the field. I'm not saying you have to spend the money that the Dodgers spend, but like these people who cry, we can only spend so much. Why? If you were good, you'd be fucking sold out. And I'll say one thing about Andy Ruther's Bengals non-fandom versus your Reds fandom. You went to a World Series, watched them win in 1990 when you were how old? It was eight, almost nine. Eight, I mean, couldn't be a more important time to like build a small sports fan into like a lifelong. I feel like if the Bengals had won a Super Bowl when you were a kid, you never would abandon them. Maybe. I mean, there's, there's a good point there. Obviously I, I saw them lose when I was in the first grade. That's like one of my first vivid Bengals memories. I'm a first grader and that was a big deal at school. You wore Bengals gear to school the Friday before the Super Bowl Sunday. And but I feel I, like if they win that and there's a parade and you go to the parade and blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's the kind of thing where, you know, makes you a fan for life. As long as that Brown family owns them, I will never. Oh, I, I, I take also at this point, they have to jump like three to four teams. Yeah. I take joy in watching them. Brady lose. has to retire. Russ has to retire. You have to like lose your charter season tickets. McVay gets fired. Like a lot would have to happen for you to go crawling back to the Bengals. So and so, an ownership change. So the Reds are 16th, by the way, out of 30 teams. So they're, they're middle of the pack as far as payroll, which to me, that's fair. They're putting some money in. They're not. But, you know, it's a rising tide raises all boats. It's like I feel like that is where a lot of teams go. Well, we're, we're spending what we're supposed to. It's like. When you look at the teams that spend, it's like the first, second, and third highest payroll teams are spending three times as much as what you're spending or twice as much at least. It's like it's not just, oh, where are you rank? You know what I mean? And look at those teams. They win every fucking year. Yeah, it's also not. The Dodgers are at 267, the Yankees 203, Mets 199, Astros 192, Phillies 183. So the Reds are at... 125 ahead of them in division. The Cubs are at 143. Cardinals are at 168. Pittsburgh Pirates are spending $54 million this year. All right, let's do one more call. A little little L chain gate, huh? Let's get to that. Hey guys, Eric from Lakewood, Colorado. Um, I'm glad you guys went with my idea uh, for Andy going to Kings Island for the football bet. Uh, I think I got a good way to uh, even out all of this uh, this L, L chain gate stuff. Um, I think both of you are in question currently uh, of welching on bets, um, so I think I think you should even it out by uh, both of you should do this. You're going to have to get Andy will have to get an L shaved into his head and Joe will have to get the 100 emoji shaved into his head. Um, again, it's between you guys. So I think it's a good way to even it out. 
Um, let me know what you think. Yeah, stay dirty. So, so here's my take. I'm playing this call just so we can discuss this. I, I'm not going to do this. I don't agree with this. I, I think we agreed, or at least it seems like we're, we're headed towards something with the community college class. Mm-hmm. Do we Which agree? Which is far more interesting. Yeah. First of all, I could shave a dick into my head and it'll be, I mean, my hair, like it'll be gone in fucking two days. I'd also argue uh, uh, L is the, is like eighth on the list of dumbest things. Andy's shaved into his head at this point, like fucking true. Trippy would be like, bro, you don't want to go bigger than that, bro. Yo fool. And L what about L loco? You're like, oh, I just mean the letter L. He's like, how about El Fulio, fool? You're like, nah. So, but I understand where he's coming from. But also, listen. So, so know, what's an update, Pran? You, you said you were going to monitor the Reddit for me. A lot. I mean, there's there's been lots of great suggestions. Now there's an Andy Ruther appreciation post. Everybody's sucking your dick because you were crying on the last episode. Um, there's like, <laughs> fuck it. Like, people are like, people are like, I can't listen to Andy cry. I want Andy to know I love him. Like it was, you know, now there's a whole thing. And then there's people diving into the L chain, the, the appreciation posts. Like, the, but listen, the, I think this, like I said before, the silver lining, the Reddit, it's I like, I like hearing the voice. And also, you know, there's always the, this excuse, which I think is always a terrible excuse, but I understand that there's some other people out there. It's like people do get, canceled or fired or whatever for thing that they things they put on social media i feel like reddit is a place where people can express their opinions and not have to worry about like whatever you know they're bossing it or whatever although you know i will link your reddit back to you like i did for zach pib i believe is his name who said we were on crack for thinking the vegas was going to compete with steelers i i Tied that back to his. I saw that tweet. I saw that tweet and shouted him out. Um, But, uh, you know, I think Reddit and I only got into Reddit when um, our our buddy, I forget his name, uh, started the Reddit, the subreddit, I guess it's called Perry. Perry? Yeah. So this is my I I had started a Reddit account before. I think when I like my thing is kooks for life, because I think I started it to do a kooks thing and then never used it it's a great forum especially for the dirty sports to have a have a you know an active subreddit so shout out to you for you know l chain gate breathing some life into it um but i think in you know and i'm gonna keep monitoring it i check in on it all the time um i think so far leader in the clubhouse is still you taking a gender studies class and needing a certain uh gpa or certain you know thing to to qualify all right wow. and you seem to be down for it so i like it i think we could i think we settled yeah, and i'll pay posted. 100 of the dollars towards your credits and we'll make sure that i'm not accused of welching although to be fair on the people that are accusing me of welching when andy's like i don't want that money well then it's like yeah you I can't be accused when guys show up and say i don't want that money yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need that hundred dollars. It's, it's, it's principle for me, and and in the fact that Russell did win ten games that year, it's all I, it's all I care about. Yeah, if only he could have won yesterday. If only he wouldn't be the last place Seahawks. I know, man. 
that was a win they needed for the record. That's that's a one. That's one they're going to look back on. And uh, in that division, holy shit, man, it's a good division. So if you guys have any suggestions, you can go on our Reddit or you can call our hotline 310-359-8365. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Dirty Sports. Leave a podcast review and drop your I drop your sorry your Instagram or Twitter handle, and I will send you two free koozies in the mail. Joe is performing in New Orleans, so go catch him. I'm stumbling on it, so you do a better job. Comedy House New Orleans, October 1st and 2nd, October 3rd, Giants at Saints. If you're anywhere down there, come out and see a show. Uh, It's my first time headlining uh, since I went out in, I think it was May. So uh, getting back out on the road, we'll be performing there, kind of kicking off. And then uh, doing a lot of feature dates with Eddie Ift. So just stay on my website, joeprainer.com. But definitely if you're down there in New Orleans, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a great weekend. And it's a brand new club. And I, I hope to, I want to I have a good showing so that I can come back regularly because New Orleans is truly one of my favorite cities. So come out and check that out. Follow me on all social media at Joe Prano. Um, follow me on Twitter at Fix Your Life. All right, guys, that is our show for this Monday. We'll be back in a few days. Have a great start to your week. And as always, stay dirty.